0: I cry. Ship ahoy. Once again, we say welcome aboard. It's good to be with you. At this time, Brother Mons speaking. I program here called uh, The Mariners Call. Uh, we do have a another little program on this station or on some of the stations that air the Mariner's Call, called the Fisherman's Five-Minute Look at the Book. But here we have all some 15 minutes. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a blessing. It's good to be with you at this time, whether morning, noon, or night. Mon is just glad that you've given us your time. In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 6, our thought will come for uh, this program. Uh, let's talk about God's naval architect, God's Marine Engineer. You said, what is that, Brother Mont? Well, it's just someone who designs and builds vessels. Uh, The reason I give it that name is because this is the occupation of my Son, from time to time, people say, "Brother Mon, you tell us nothing of your family." Yes, happily married over 50 years. I have three children. I have five uh, grandchildren. I have three great grandchildren. So you said, all oh, that tells on your age. But my son is a naval architect, a marine engineer. He's been doing this for years and years, for over 20 years. Uh, he has successfully seen, built, uh, designed. Uh, mostly, design work vessels, and also some of the most beautiful of yachts that you've ever seen. Uh, he let me go aboard one, one time, and my jaw dropped as I looked at such, oh, such amazing, not just design, but uh, as the design was put together, and we think about uh, the beauty of something that would uh, go across the sea at high speed and all the modern conveniences that, that that was there. I'll be honest, I wish he had one, but my son does not have a yacht. He has a little 16 to 18 foot runabout that me and him can run around the creeks and lakes and rivers here in our area, but, uh, but no yacht. Marine, Marine engineer, naval architect who would that be? In the Bible, in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter four, we find the verse, the first boat builder. Now I have to say, as far as the architect is concerned, the architect was God. God gave Noah the plans. Did he not? Here's the something about this story. You know this story. If I were to announce that we're going to be talking about Noah and the ark, you say, I already know that. I know everything to know about that. Well, you probably do. And I've heard this story since I was a little child. I love stories about, you know, Adam and Eve and Moses and David and Goliath and what, Daniel the lion's den. I like the story of Peter and the fishes. Oh, but we think about Noah and the ark, yes. But is there something about this story that could help us in a practical way. Is there something about this story? Now, I tell you what, I'm glad to know this. As far as in Noah's day, there was an ark of safety for righteous people. Today, for those who have lived for God, our ark of safety is in the Lord Jesus Christ, is it not? It's not in some local church. And I tell you what, I'm a firm believer in a local church. All is for those who have been born again. We think about Christ is our ark. But is there something about this story that can help me? That would provoke me unto love and good works. The writer there to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says the things in the Old Testament. I've had people ask me, I've had new converts, why do we have to read the Old Testament? Uh, we don't get our church doctrine from there. There's something about the Old Testament, there's something about, well, it's presented as an example. And it says we're to read this and look at it and be admonished. It's written for our admonition. So let's see if Brother One can come up with some things now at this particular time that might provoke in the realm of this story of Noah and the ark. I guess I could begin by reading verse 8, Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Let me say, first of all, that's almost an impossibility. And Noah walked with God, almost impossible. If it were not for God's grace and God's strength and God's power, this could not be true. You said, why do you say that, Brother Mont? No, was a man who walked with God, found grace in God's eyes, a just man. Well, the condition of the world. Verse 5, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the faults of his heart was only evil continually. My friend, the whole world had gone into apostasy. And yet here is someone that finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. You said, I, I, don't, I don't get what you're talking about. Noah walked with God amidst evil surroundings. While the world fell apart, Noah stayed right with God. Oh, I tell you, I've been in the ministry now some 46 years. I've had people tell me something like this. We're living in the last days. It's a dark age. Sin is rampant. Evil is on every hand. There's so much for people to get into as far as Christian people. There's so many temptations. The devil is so powerful. I live in a country, my friend, personally, that has gone almost into complete apostasy. How are we going to live for God? We can do it. You said, how? Well, we get admonished by Noah. Noah lived in a day and age where, as far as those whom God saved, eight people on this ark, eight out of some people have projected, if we think about uh, uh the uh, the generations of people that uh, came all the way to Noah, we find here in Genesis chapter five. We think about generation after generation of uh, the the average. Uh, we think about uh, reproduction rate. There could be millions of people, four, five, six million people on the face of the earth, and yet it says Noah found grace on the eyes of the Lord. The whole world had gone to pot, and yet Noah lived for God. We have no excuse. Shame on me for saying there's just so many temptations. You know, I, I just, you know, I, I fell. Well, but it's because evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Uh, you know, I, I was, you know, yes, I caught uh, myself, yeah, I was in a lie, and I did this, but we live in such a horrible age, we cannot excuse it. We cannot excuse our sins, my friend. Because this man was a just man. He found grace in the eyes of God. He was saved even though the world fell apart because of the way he lived. He walked with God amidst evil surroundings. May that provoke us to do so. You said the world's really getting in rough shape, brother. Yes, but we can still live for God. You said, Brother man, uh, as far as the government says, yeah, but we can still live for God. You said, the devil's so powerful, but you don't understand. See, we can still live for God. Noah also was obedient when appointed to a hard task. We've used this before here on this program. You said, what do you mean? God told Noah to build something he couldn't build. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? He says, Noah, he said, what I want you to do is this. He said, I want you to make an ark of gopher wood Rooms shall thou make it in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Verse 15 and 16, gives actually the dimensions, what it's to look like. Around, if we're going to average something out, about 450 foot long, 75 foot wide, 45 foot high. <laughs> Impossible. You know, back then, my friend, you couldn't go down to the lumber yard and get the lumber. Uh, as far as the tools is concerned, can you imagine the tools? That Noah had to work with in his day, for me to try to describe something would be would be foolish. It just it would be impossible to build such a boat. Yet with God's help, and with God's power, and with Him being willing to be obedient, God used him to do something very hard. Now, what about me and you? God hadn't appointed us to a very hard task. You know, you said I I don't know. If I know what you're talking about. What what does God demand of you? He demands of you that you live right. All God has offered, we have within us the power of the Holy Spirit. If you, if you are a Christian, you have, you're possessed by God's spirit. He can help you live for God. Uh, not only that, we think about the desire we should have and the, the power we should have on the inside to testify of the grace of God. We should be trying to help others? You said, Brother Mon, it's just so hard. People just not listening anymore. We have no excuse. See, (laughs) We have no excuse. Brother Mon, it's so hard to live right. We have no excuse. Noah was obedient when appointed to a hard task. God has never asked you to do something that would be as difficult as what it was in Noah's day. So once again, do you understand? I am provoked. Oh, He walked with God amidst evil surroundings. I have no excuse. The world's falling apart, but I have no excuse. Obedient when appointed to a hard task. He's going to build a boat 450 foot long. I friend mean, if I had been Noah, I could have said, "Lord, I can build something 10 or 15 foot long, but 450 foot long. you know, impossible. Yet he completed the task. He did. What God commanded him to do. Not only that, in the book of Second Peter chapter two and verse five, I find Noah was not only just one that walked with God when the whole world fell apart. Not only did he obey God when the orders were just impossible, but Noah was faithful to warn his neighbors of impending judgment. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 talks about Noah as being a preacher of righteousness. Uh, have you ever seen that in the Bible? No, I thought he was just a boat builder, a naval architect, a marine engineer. No, God, uh, God gave him the drawings. Uh, so he was just the builder. And as far as this boat was concerned, I don't know when. I don't know how he did this. I don't know whether once a day. I don't know whether once a week, maybe took a day a week off. We think about the Old Testament Sabbath. I don't know how he did it, but the Bible said he was a preacher of righteousness. He stood and told people of the impending judgment. All right. Now, what should be my responsibility? All right. I mean, the whole world is lost, and they're not going to—they're not going to listen. I, I thought something like this. I said, Lord, I said, I'm. You know, I know I need to go out and witness. I know I need to go out and knock on doors. But Lord, the last time I went, no one listened. What's the purpose? My friend, the gospel is not only presented to save people. The gospel is presented to people as judgment. And Noah was faithful to warn people, even though, my friend, there was no one that listened. There was no converts outside of his own family. No converts. I guess if we he lived in the day and age we live, I guess he, he would have had that ark uh, half full of people. Uh, he whom he just sort of uh, sang the song, "Come and join" or, or "Come up and try," or maybe had a big day, you know. And, and I'm not against big days. But he just preached faithfully, a preacher of righteousness. All this should provoke me, even though the day is long and hard, even though people's hearts are wicked, and yes, they've rebelled against God. And even though they refuse to listen, I need to still with a broken heart, present the gospel to people and understanding what's going to happen. Not just the rain is going to fall. Oh, but this time, instead of water, my friend, fire to completely cleanse this earth of unrighteousness and wickedness. Noah provokes me because he lived for God when it was hard. He was obedient when God told him something hard. He faithfully took and warned his neighbors. Some truths from this naval architect, this marine engineer. Until next week, Fisher Mund saying goodbye.